Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade. Helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Hi, Nicole. Hello, Warwick. It's very formal, isn't it? It is a little. Do you see that we both go into voices now? It's not just you You've anymore. You've got a podcast I voice. do. This is terrible. Sucked in. We need to change this. G'day, listeners. How are you? Hello. How you going? G'day. <laughs> Wasn't Coxie here. Tradies in Business podcast. You're listening to it, which means you're awesome. You are awesome. You rock. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and if you're one of those listeners that pretty much does every episode and you've been uh, listening to the show since either since Coxie and I started mm-hmm. or perhaps more tragically way back to when uh, when <laughs> I kicked off a whole bunch of years and episodes ago. Very cleverly. Um, There's some good juice in that back catalogue. Well done, yeah. Man, we've covered some ground on this show. Oh, yeah. So uh, today, though, we are talking – this is another one of Coxie's and my – being the expert episode. We are the experts. <laughs> After our, our little mini rant against ourselves <laughs> the other day about self-promotion, mm-hmm. uh, we thought you should probably know that we do know some stuff. Hey, why are we experts? Let's tell people why we're experts. Oh, yeah. Particularly for today's episode that's specifically for builders. Well, I was always told that an expert is a has-been and a – no, an ex is a has-been and a spurt is a drip under pressure. <laughs> That's terrible. Which is probably why I don't promote myself yep. because that whole idea of being an expert is almost seen as a negative connotation. It but, is a bit. Uh, let's start with you, Coxie. How come you know stuff about trade businesses? Oh, I know stuff about business full stop because mm. I've been running businesses of varying degree for, oh, I'm going to show my age, That's 20 okay. odd years. Yeah, so you started when you were 10. Yeah, I did. Thank you. <laughs> it's 23 years this year, actually. Wow. Mm. Long time I've been running all small businesses. Mm-hmm. I did run uh, – actually, that's a flat-out lie. That's not true. Mostly small businesses. I did run a section of a group of pharmacies. There were 13 pharmacies. I did that for a period of time. Like Holy The moly. buying section. That was really interesting, it's wheeling and dealing with the big wigs in town. God, that was fun. Yeah, because you're playing with some big companies. Oh, yeah. Like the the top, the real top of the tree and trying mm. to negotiate good deals out of those. Oh, gosh, I had some mm. fun. Because for me, I wasn't financially invested in the company. <laughs> so, I could push a little harder, mm, if that makes sense. It? Yeah, it was really different. Mm. Uh, so, I really thoroughly enjoyed that part of my career. But anyway, that's one part of what I've done. Other than that, I've been a builder's wife and run a building company with my husband for 10 years. Mm. Mm. So, first-hand experience of uh, ice breaks and oh, yeah. circular saws. <laughs> and <laughs> Cuts to the hand that require hospital visits just I yesterday. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> How many stitches was it? In Only three or four. It was oh, a little one. It's only soft. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Very. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that he's getting stitches in his hand and videoing it at the same I time. I know. His That's Instagram, Instagram game is strong. I know. It? He has been taught well by his mom. <laughs> <laughs> So, wow, 10 years uh, as a builder's wife. Yes. Congratulations. Thanks. I think I or deserve a, a, an award. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so obviously you've learned a hell of a lot of stuff uh, at a grassroots level in your own Definitely. building company. Yeah, and by making lots of mistakes, let's call it for what it is. I've mm. made plenty of mistakes over the years. Mm. Some have led to fantastic things. Some have led to not so great <laughs> things. But on we go. Absolutely. We live and we learn. Tell us about you, Warwick. And far out. Well, everyone knows I'm old. Take a so deep breath. I don't need to try and hide that. But uh, my old man was a builder. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, come from a long line of tradies in my family. Wanted to do the same. Desperately wanted to, to get a trade. Mechanic or builder was probably the two. Chef was my third option. Really? Thank goodness I never you wanted to be a chef. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't too. L- love cooking. What do you mean by that? Well, it's a terrible well, lifestyle. Good. <laughs> yeah, and if you go back and listen to our episode, at one of our real tradie episodes with Pete the Plasterer, mm. um, an old mate of mine, he was a chef half his life. So was Vitea. Yes, of another course. Episode. Yeah, yeah, another one of our real tradie guys. That's a real common thread here. Um, bloody awful job, mm. awful lifestyle, terrible industry to be in. G'day to all the hospos out there. Hospos. Or, or former hospos. Hospitality, hey, hospos. Hospitality people. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wanted to get a trade and uh, happened to be really good at school because I sucked at sport. So <laughs> You can't do the two things at once. Well, I was really rubbish at anything physical because I was a twerp. I was a, I was a, a little, twerp. A little tiny weedy dude at school. And uh, <laughs> so I got picked on a fair bit, which is what we used to call bullying back in the day. Mm. Um, and so I hid in the library a lot and I got very good at school. Um, so dad, his idea was that tradies were always broke and physically ratchet. Um, so they strongly encouraged me to go to university <laughs> and, uh, and get a proper education and a proper job, which I absolutely hated. So I, I managed to survive about 18 months in accounting and, it's uh, longer than I could have done. Not surprisingly, my first job out of uni was working for a building supplies company <laughs> <laughs> in the accounting division. I was the accounts clerk, but, uh, yeah, I worked for PGH Bricks and, um, did a bit of time there and then I was a building rep for six years. After wow. that, I quit the accounting mm-hmm. and I went out on the road as a rep, uh, selling white goods yards. to builders and developers. Oh, really? And yeah, yeah. Yep. So uh, I was repping to to uh, the industry for a whole bunch of years all around Queensland. Um, so I got a good grounding in, I guess, that business side of trades mm. and dealing with tenders and quotes mm-hmm. and uh, talking to builders about pricing. And I sort of learned a lot about that back end side of things. Um and I do remember doing a few installs and stuff on projects as well <laughs> to meet deadlines with the uh, the install guys. Um, fell into financial planning for a bunch of years, so I had my own business then. Um, I was a partner in that business for eight or ten years, and then and I started doing what I've been doing for eleven years now, which is business coaching. Yes, um, and working one on one with tradies now for oh, I don't know seven years. I think before my daughter was born, I started doing that. So, more than seven years, actually. It'd have to be. Yeah. Seven or eight years, mm. maybe. So, um, but I still, I'm a tradie at heart. Of course. I, I just, you know, it's just, it's in the family. It's, it's I used in your to, blood. I laboured for my dad for years and, you know, I used to work as a farm labourer when I was going through uni. Uh, I just, it's what I, it's what I love. And, you know, if I won Lotto, I'd actually probably go and get a trade. We talk about this in our house all the time. If we won Lotto, what would we do? What we do. I wouldn't change. I love what I do. I'd go do an apprenticeship. Yeah. I'd go get a trade. You can come and work for me. I'd get a ticket as a, as a chippy. You can be a chippy for me. Yeah. I, yeah, I like that'd this. That'd be fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it's just like I've had my own businesses like you, Coxie. Yeah. Um, but 
more than that, and I and I from listening to you, it's probably the same thing. It's working with other people's yes. businesses where you literally you're pulling the engine out of the car, mm. you're pulling it apart. And you're helping people put it back together in a way that makes it run better for them. Yes. And you just learn so much about business by tinkering with other people's. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Yeah. We yeah. are not experimenting on your business. <laughs> so between us, we got like 20 plus years of, uh, of business. Mm. And, um, and I guess because of our backgrounds, just an innate understanding of the trades. Very much so. Um, and because I love it. I love all that blokey trade stuff. I love sitting down with a, I don't know, an electrician and and uh, understanding what he's doing with his products and, you know, the sorts of switchboards he's installing mm. or, you know, talking about strategies to get more test and tag work. And, uh, you know, I work with a, an energy um, efficiency company at the moment and, you know, we're talking about voltage optimization and solar and it's just you pick up all that stuff and I think... You do. It goes a long way to understanding the specifics of trade businesses because mm. they're very different. They're incredibly different. To retail or professional services or anything else. Quite isolated, I think, the trades mm. as far as business support and help is mm. concerned and understanding that their business is actually like most other small businesses. The I fundamentals are the same. Absolutely. I'm not sure that most tradies understand that though. No, but that's a good thing. Of course it is. Yes, as a tradie, your business is different to a lot of others. And there's Absolutely. some specific industry problems that no one else has. You know, we've got some some uh, interesting times with the building regulators <laughs> around Australia, uh, particularly in Queensland. Mm. Um, and, you know, with getting paid and the way yes. you get treated by bigger contractors and yes. primary contractors on big jobs mm-hmm. and so there's some things there that a lot of other businesses just haven't experienced mm. and don't have to deal with. Um, but by and large, a business is a business is a business. Mm. And so that's where, you know, here at Tradies in Business, we can apply our 20 plus years of business experience to that personal understanding of the trades. Mm. And that's why today, Coxie, uh, and I'll probably defer to you quite a bit on this because you you have been a builder's wife and you've run your own building company for for so many years Mm -hmm. on specifically for builders listening to this um of basically how to win a hundred percent of your quotes because you can actually do that if you want to of course you can (laughs) but you 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 really should be winning 100% of your quotes and then choosing the 80% that you want to work with. That's exactly right. I mean, it, it probably sounds a little arrogant, but... It is arrogant, but it's true. As, as it can the be done. builder, you are, you're the expert, you know, and we'll talk through some of these points. So, Coxie and I literally sat down over lunch and put together what we think are some of the fundamental... Pieces that are missing from the jigsaw puzzle for so many builders, and we've worked with many over the years, uh, and we see so many of our members asking questions in the Tradies in Business Facebook group and at the Trade Desk, and it just, oh, it makes my head hurt sometimes when I see some of these questions, because the message is clearly not getting out there enough, and Mm. so we decided to do a podcast episode just about 
this. We'll do an episode just for you, builders. So here you go. Don't you ready? Don't say we don't do anything just for you. Hold on to your hats, because often we're bagging you out, and we don't mean to. Because clearly, I love builders. Well, builders get a bum rap. They do. Um, and I think it's shit the way that that other trades hate on them all the time. Because and I, and I think we've talked about this before. You know, builders carry a lot of risk. Um, most of the risk actually mm. on projects, particularly mm-hmm. resi construction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's they're left carrying the can. They really are. They get paid last. They, they do. Well, I'll probably piss a few uh, painters and stuff off here, but you know, <laughs> the builder is pretty much the one that carries most of the risk on. They really jobs. do. Um, it, let's call it for what it is: the marketing risk, the payment risk, mm-hmm. the the defect risk. Like it all rests on the poor old builder. It does. Um, and often they get paid the least in terms of margins. And here's a point that trades. I don't think is spoken about often enough. Builders do have low margins. Everybody feels that we're, oh, look, I can get my ranty pants on, but I won't. I'll make this short and sharp. <laughs> We've got it's another interview to do. <laughs> it's a common misconception that builders, oh, you're a builder, you must be rich. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm the last to get paid. If I've blown something out on the job, I lose my dosh. I can't go to the client and say, hey, I actually underquoted, but I, I've had so many of my tradies come to me and say, oh, I've made a mistake. Well, if I want to keep my good tradie, I've got to negotiate with them and it's me that's losing the money, not them. Or yep. they might lose a bit, but not as much as I'm going to lose. Yep. I, I just think it's a common misconception that builders must be rich. The flip side of that too, and I'll and I'll um, jump into the boxing ring here with anybody who wants to have a swipe at me, <laughs> is as a builder, it's also your fault that that's the situation. That's very true. Because you can change it. From my experience, you can. And, and Coxie and I have worked with a number of builders who have made changes mm. in that regard and it revolutionises your business. Mm, it really does. And your family and your stress levels. Most importantly, your lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the first part, maybe we'll turn this into like a, a four-part series or something, Coxie. Yes. Today today is like part one. So this is about winning 100% of your quotes. Instead of the scenario where you're running around quoting like a madman or woman and uh, and maybe winning 20 or 30%, 40% even mm-hmm. of, of the jobs and not always the ones that you really want either. You don't <laughs> really? always win the good ones. Um, but you should be winning 100% of your, of your quotes that you do. And then, you know, you might choose to let a couple of those go. Well, that's up to you. You're in control here. And, you know, we've got a member that's literally done that recently. And it was a very empowering experience mm-hmm. for him where he actually told somebody that he, that he had so much work booked up that he couldn't commit to their project because he didn't want to let them down. Sometimes that happens. And and that was a small developer. And they said, look, I, I respect your ownership on that. And I really want you to do my next project. So, if I give you enough notice, can you schedule it in? It's amazing how that happens, and I was isn't like, it? Yeah, our guy, you know, was floored by that response to some respects, yeah, but, but that's how powerful these changes can be. So, yeah. let's dive in, Coxie. How do you win 100% of your quotes as a builder? I want a drum roll. Ready? Get rid of the tire kickers. <laughs> I think that's the number one tip, is it not? Yeah. It's something we talk about all the time. It's the biggest question, I think, in the whole of the Facebook group is how do we get rid of the tire kickers? Yeah, I'm doing all these quotes and people aren't serious and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So that's the what to do. How do you do that? By having a sales process. <laughs> You're kidding me, right? No, I'm excited. <laughs> that sounds so simple. I know, it really is. So that was our podcast voice. Um, that was more like a play school voice. Oh. I'm so excited today, children. We're going to get a sales process. Oh, that would be terrible. 
don't want to do play school. So, I am excited though because it's revolutionising businesses that we work with. Yeah. It is as simple as it sounds and it will change everything you do. And I'm blown away by the number of businesses who don't have one. Well, I think it's really common, right? Because in the trades, we're not taught any of this stuff that we're taught in so many other professions. And generally, in a lot of other professions, they're not taught it either. And you can see when somebody has a sales process, they stand out. Yeah. And that sales yeah. process, the benefit of having a sales process is you are eliminating the tie kickers. You're qualifying your clients prior to getting to the point of spending the time and the money doing the quote. So... And I suppose, uh, and, I, and I've done a bit of sales training over the years. I suspect in pharmacy, you would have been heavily involved in sales and marketing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, in your own building business, you had to get mm. good at sales and marketing. You're to constantly feed selling yourself. yourself. Yeah. That's it. Um, it's almost, you know, we could change the name of it from a sales process to a qualification process. Yes, we could. Or an application process. Oh, I like the sound of that. You know, shifting the headspace mm. for you, the builder. To, well, you know what, if you want me to undertake your project, you need to qualify to work with me. Here's my application pack. Yeah. Oh, that's sexy. Now, you'd have to be pretty ballsy to use that language, and and I actually think you should. I think you should. Um, because it changes the perception from not only you as the builder yes. to, to make you feel... Put yourself in in the shoes of being the expert, right? Absolutely. How many how many projects have you built? How many years have you been learning about all the nuances of construction and dealing with the multiple sub trades that are on projects and the materials and you know all the stuff that goes wrong that you're able to fix on the fly and you know keep to timeframes largely because you know most builders do a bloody amazing job Absolutely. of pulling together a thousand moving parts. Mm. So that it all ends up getting done, you know, relatively on time and on budget. Like mm. it's it's a big undertaking. So you know, if you want to go join a prestigious university, or I don't know, other examples where you've actually got to apply and prove that you're basically worthy of working with that person, then um, it it really puts you in the driver's seat as the expert. But it also changes the the thought pattern with your prospect. Very much so. To oh, you're not just a chippy, no, or a or a carpenter or a builder, like whatever the connotation is. Um, this is a this is a serious undertaking, you know. We're stepping it up. Yep, and you know I've been doing that for years in my own mentoring mm. practice, where there's a process I take people through. It's not to sell myself. It's to pick the people that I think are going to do well yeah. so that I get fantastic testimonials out of them. <laughs> but but that's because they're happy with the results. That's right. So, the same should be for a builder and clients. It needs to be an application process. Yeah. I say with air quotes that you can't <laughs> see. So, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> but an application process. Yeah. You need to change the way this process happens for your clients. I guarantee there won't be too many people in your field that are doing the same. The big players are all doing it. Have a look at the big metricons mm. or the coral homes or whomever we want to talk about. They've all got a sales process. Yep. There's a reason why you have to go through the display home and meet the sales stuff on the way out because they're the people doing the selling. And then they book you for the next meeting and That's then they right. make you fill out the questionnaire mm-hmm. and it's all part of a process. 
Now, you obviously don't want to look like a project builder the way you roll that out in your own building business. No, but you can learn from what they do. Yeah, you, you can take those elements and... And look, you may not want to call it an application process. You might not be that bold. If you are, we want to hear about it. Please. Uh, but think of it that way. Mm. Your your prospects are applying mm. to work with you. And you screen them, no different to how you would screen an applicant to a job. Yes. To pick the best candidates to be your customer. Okay, I got the perfect segue. Look you're, out. you're punching I the air and everything. I am really excited today. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> so this, when does this process actually start? The sales process. When does it begin? I'm going to answer my own question. Oh, is it when they sign the contract? No, it's <laughs> when they start seeing you on social media and they look at your website. All of those steps that you have in the back end of your artillery are actually part of your sales process. Mm. In, it's in that space that you're teaching them what your process is, that you're educating them about who you are and why you're the right builder to work with. Yep. It's about showing them how they move through this process with you to get to the end of the project so they know exactly what to expect every step of the way. It's about showing them that this is a process for you rather than I just come out and do a quote for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'll be there this afternoon. Yep. What time? <laughs> oh, I can come earlier if you like. Yeah, Said yeah. no tradie ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the point is that you that the actual sales process begins before you've even spoken to anybody. Yeah. You're doing it now. You just didn't realize you were doing it. Yeah. You're filtering people so when they look at your gallery on your website or mm. the project before and afters that you've put on your social media feed, prospects are looking at that and either deselecting themselves or deciding that they feel like that fits what they're after. So it probably really starts talking to a niche, doesn't it? Which is something we talk about all the time. Yeah. And yep. I can speak from my own experience. We were terrified to niche down. We were mm. just a renovation, new build kind of builder, custom build. We'd kind of do anything. You know what? We yeah. just weren't getting the conversions. Have you got a wallet? Then yeah. we can work for you. <laughs> exactly. That's what we did. Yep. Rats and mice, the whole box and dice. We did mm. anything. Until we got some advice to have a look at maybe niching down. And we did. You know, it was really the scariest thing, the biggest, scariest decision we'd made to that point. What's scary about it, Coxie? Thinking that you're going to eliminate people, that suddenly you're not going to have that group of people that want to work with you. And you know what? The opposite was true. Yeah. Within 12 months, we had so much work, we could not keep up. We had to keep saying no. Hey, we started winning 100% of the quotes. Huh. But And like you say, it was actually we would probably go down to 60% of that work we would actually do. Mm -hmm. And it was because we niched down as small as renovating Queenslanders. Yeah. That's it. That was our niche. Yep. And it was massive. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah, because you get a reputation as those the, guys. The you're, experts. Oh, you're the guys that renovate Queenslanders. Absolutely. And do you know what else that then um, encouraged was media coverage. Yeah. Yep. All of a sudden, the media wanted to know who we were and what we were doing. Because we want to put people in boxes. Of course we do. That makes sense. Yes. Right. But it meant right from the very beginning, people would be looking at our social media, they'd be looking at our website, they'd be talking to other people, and all of it was saying the same thing. We renovate Queenslanders, and we're the best at it. Yep. So, um, so the first thing is have a sales process, but know when your sales process starts, and it starts with your... Social media, it starts with your website, it starts with your logo, it starts with how you talk about your business online, um, the testimonials you have, everything. All of it, yes. So, it's about qualifying people yes. that want to work with you mm -hmm. and shifting your own headspace. So, that's a massive one. Now, if, you, if you're a bit stuck in this area, 
Uh, Coxie and I have created a bunch of content around sales processes, scripts, all that sort of stuff. You'll find some of it on the website in the mm-hmm. freebie area. So, you know, we don't even need to pitch you to go sign up to our uh, member site or anything like that. Um, but you can go hit the Tradies and Business website and get some freebie stuff. Uh, if you jump in the Facebook group and just ask, I guarantee there'll be a bunch of other builders who will give you their tips and um, and sort of success stories around what they've done with this. And if you know, you're looking for next level stuff, then obviously you can go check out the Work With Us page um, on the website. And we've got a couple of different ways you can get some higher level support and, and some more deep dive uh, I guess templates and uh, and work around this area, but having a uh, sales and qualification process is, you know what? If you just did that, it would it would absolutely kick your your quoting in the guts and um, just completely change the sort of clients you get. All right, uh, do we need to talk any any more about sales process, Coxie? Probably probably some of the specifics within that. I guess is you know maybe looking at Thinking about getting a commitment from people early on in the relationship. Okay, so this is a really hotly debated subject. <laughs> Do we want to open this can of worms now? I may no. Let's just touch on it really quickly, and maybe it's the next thing that we speak to in this four-part series, and that is charging for quotes in one form mm. or another. Mm. So I spoke let's earlier. Do that as a separate episode. We will. Yeah. I spoke earlier today um, about a comment on my blog on a post I'd written about why builders should be charging for quotes. Obviously, I'm a passionate believer in that. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was from an American audience, so clearly they do things a little bit differently there. However, this person absolutely slammed the idea Hmm. of builders charging for quotes quite disparagingly. It was really offensive, actually. Mm. There wouldn't be too many people in the trades that wouldn't take offense to what was being said, but that's how contentious this issue is. So, again, it speaks to you need to educate your clients that that's what you do. You know all those time wasters? They're not going to pay you. No. And and if you've done a good job of the first stuff that we've talked about with that qualifying process, you're only going to be requesting a consult fee or a design fee or whatever mm. the heck you want to call it from someone who has gone through the, the filters. You know, they've looked at your stuff online. They've actually taken the step of getting in touch with you. You've run your early stages of your sales process on them and qualified them. You know, do they fit your level of quality or niche or budget or whatever? And then you're going to say, so here's the next step in our process. And that is that you give me money and I do some work for you. And then we do a quote and then we sign a contract. Yeah. Um, And they'll go, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty good. Whatever you say, boss. Yeah. You're the expert. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, this is the way it must go. Let's do it. We've seen your stuff. Well, you've already demonstrated that you're the expert and that we want to build with you. So, let's do it. I can take this back to a real life example that isn't trade related. Uh, last week, my dad was in hospital with some back trouble. And before any process in this hospital, private hospital, they explained the fee structure and got a commitment from him before they went any further. So it's the same. This stuff is happening all the time. You, I didn't say no to the hospital. Oh, no, I need to go and get three quotes and make sure that's comparable. <laughs> it was just like, yes, please, just do it. Let's yeah. just find out what's going on. Yeah. So it's the same sort of thing, right? And I think that that's the thing that tradies miss in particular is this stuff is happening in every other area of your life. You've just become – it's just the way it goes. So you don't question it. Yeah. It, it, and this is this process we're talking about today, the whole sales process, pre-qualifying, asking questions, expecting answers. You need to know how much money people want to spend. They need to be prepared to tell you that information. Yeah. Yep. All of these things are really crucial and they become the way things are done if you educate your clients as to the way 
you do it. Yeah, because you are the expert. And I reckon we're going to repeat that a thousand times over <laughs> the next few parts of this episode. And I and I we've got some more notes here, Coxie, and I reckon we might pull it up there and bust this up into those those three or four parts. Mm. So I can labour the point of the sales process a little longer. <laughs> um, a sales process isn't worth a dime unless it's written down mm. and scripted. And I don't mean word for word, hello, my name is Warwick and I work for Bob the Builder. Uh, can I help you? Like we're not we're not talking about a robotic call centre script. No. We're talking about what are the, the key points that you need to hit Every time you talk to a prospective client, what yes. are the questions you need to ask? Yes. What does your new client inquiry form look like? Mm-hmm. What questionnaire do you send to them to complete before you even jump in the ute and race out to meet them mm. on their block of land or at their current house or, you know, in the coffee shop or whatever that is that you're doing is, you know, that's pre-positioning them yes. just through the questions that you ask and the hoops that you get them to jump through. To qualify, to to almost you know earn the right to uh-huh. get to the next meeting with you as the builder, because you're going to put all this time into it. You want to make sure that you're investing time in mm. someone who you're more likely to get a return from. And I want to speak to that just for a minute. How many experts do you know that can turn up the next day? Uh, in most fields, none. Or a couple of days later, even. Unless you want to pay handsomely for it. Exactly. So my point is, and the point I'm trying to get to is, you don't want to be rushing out to service any client at any time until you already have the contract and you know they've got the job. That's a different, very different story we're talking about here. Yep. You don't want to be rushing out to say, oh, yeah, I can fit you in to do a quote next Wednesday. Because what does that say to the prospect? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing good. This guy's obviously sitting in the pub with nothing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. So instead, they need to run through this process with you of some questionnaires, of a telephone call to make sure that you're the right kind of personalities that match before you even go to the point of doing a quote. And that process can take up to a couple of weeks just to ensure that you're not going out to a tire kicker. And even if you're quiet at the moment and you've been sitting at the pub, (laughs) <laughs> Most days doing naff all. It's hard all. to resist, yeah. Still book them for two weeks' time. Absolutely. And the other the other part of that, Coxie, and this is something that, again, I just think it's a, it's a free kick that most people aren't taking advantage of. Making prospects jump through some little hoops actually builds value in dealing with you. So yes. their perception of your price will go up, but it'll go up in line with the value they feel they're likely to get from you mm. on the project. So, you know, if if someone rings me and says, hey, uh, you know, can you come and give me a quote to put a deck on my house? And I go, oh, yeah, mate, uh, I'll be around there this afternoon. Does that work? Um, how much value has been built in dealing with me as the builder? None. Zero. I'm just, it's a transactional commoditized thing. And this is what a lot of the sub-trades struggle with because, you know, poor painters, they're just putting paint on the walls. And most people have had a chop at painting their own house before. So true. And so they don't value it. No. And so it's a tough gig to build value in painting, right? I think it's the hardest trade, to be (laughs) fair. (laughs) So uh, I feel sorry for Mitch. Um, Good old Mitch. uh, Yeah, we'll just give him another shout out. He loves it when we mention his name on these (laughs) podcasts. How are you, Mitch? And what's your dog's name? Uh, Albert. Albert. Albert How's the Albert? Grudel, yeah. I think he's just turned one, actually. Oh, Albert the Grudel. I'm getting a Grudel, Mitch. 
post a photo of, of Albert for us again, Mitch, on the on the page. Anyway, so yeah, painters get hosed on this because it's tough to build value in painting. It is. Now, it doesn't mean you can't. Um, and Mitch has done a lot of work, and I've worked with other painters that have that have uh, done work in this area. Builders are kind of you're in a in the box seat here. You are because there's a lot going on with a with a project. Yeah, and. It's actually a great opportunity to build value in that process. So instead of racing in this afternoon or tomorrow, just have a standard rule. You book people for 10 days or two weeks' time for the first meeting. And in the meantime, rather than crickets, <laughs> you actually tell them that – so part of our process is like I'll book you in for a couple of weeks' time because we're, we're flat out at the moment. Mm-hmm. This is a standard response. We're flat out at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some things that I need you to do to help me understand what you want out of the project, make sure we're a good fit for each other. Uh-huh. We don't work for just anybody. Um, you know, we sounds a bit arrogant, but we're a little choosy about who we work with because we want to make sure that we're the right builder for you. Oh, all of a sudden I want to work with you. So would you be willing to fill out a brief questionnaire and send that back to us before our first meeting? Of course. And I'm also going to send you a couple links to some other projects that we've done and some personal stories from past clients so you can get an understanding of the sort of people that we work with mm-hmm. and just see if that's who you are so you know whether or not we're going to be a good fit. Is that okay? Of course it is. And you know what, listeners? There's three emails there. There's three points of contact before you go to the next step. So that's three opportunities to build value, build a relationship, build that whole know, like, and trust thing that Ari Gulper and lots of these other sales trainers talk about, which is all legit. It's important. Um, and it gives you time. To run your schedule and keep your calendar nice and neat yes. and tidy and not be racing around like a blue bum fly because you think that getting there quick is going to get you the job. It Would ain't going to happen. Like a difference. It doesn't work that way. It's no. actually the opposite. So sales process, um, there is a lot in that. Um, like I say, if you've got questions on this, if you're a bit stuck, either jump in the free group, uh, go to the website and grab some free stuff, uh, check out some of our paid products and services where, you know, if you're ready for that, then go and have a look at that. But um, please sit down and have a think about how you're currently building value and screening your applicants that want to work with you. This is so exciting. <laughs> so this has just turned into like four podcasts it for has. us. It was meant to be a quickie and it hasn't happened. <laughs> but it is such an important area. It and, really and is. You know, as a builder, you have a massive opportunity to get paid what you're worth, to be appreciated the way you deserve, uh, and to get fulfillment out of your projects and and work with the right clients that, you know, are going to be a good fit for you. And and that flows on to all of your sub-trades, to your team, you know. Um, your chippies, everybody, like mm. it just, it benefits everybody if you as the builder take ownership of how well or not well you've been doing this so far <laughs> and get it right. Please do. It will revolutionize your business. Yeah. And like Coxie said, you know, that doing that whole thing, niching down sales process, you should be converting 100% of your quotes. Mm. You should it's be winning every job you get to quote stage on. Yes. Have you heard enough? I think we've banged on about that Did we that miss anything? Enough. No. Yeah, all right. I don't think so. We'll come back to your ear holes very soon with step two. Stay tuned for part two of the how to be a kick-ass builder. builder. <laughs> kick-ass builder. And in the meantime, if, you, if you're not in the group, go join. Just head over to Facebook groups and look for Tradies in Business and we'll see you there. See you soon. Right. You've been listening to the Tradies in Business podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. 
Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.